0: Hello, this is Aaron Bounds, pastor of the Anchor Church located in Zanesville, Ohio. I want to say thanks for tuning in today. I hope this podcast inspires you, encourages you, and helps you to live the life God called you to live. Good morning, everybody, and welcome to this beautiful fall day. And, and pray there's no rain for this fun moment tonight for all of our families. And so uh, we're so thankful. Uh, if you would grab the word of the Lord today, in f- for first word this morning, here at our 10 a.m. service, if you would turn with me to the book of Genesis, chapter 2, verse 9. I, uh, as you all know, I have taught, certainly in being redundant, but we learn by that, and uh, we do. Brother Tyler, so good to see you, and uh, looking forward to seeing Hannah and the baby very, very soon, and so excited. I know you're happy. You haven't slept for a while, but you're happy. Amen. Um, the book of Genesis chapter 2, it says in verse 9, And out of the ground may the Lord God to grow every tree that is pleasant to the sight. Anybody relate with that this time of year? And uh, I think what he's saying there is you need to take time to enjoy. Enjoy the view, enjoy creation. God never intended us to be so busy that you can't enjoy what he made for us. And I want to enjoy it, don't you? I taught two Wednesday nights about balance and enjoying life. If you haven't listened to it, you need to go back and listen to that. And um, it also says, it says, Trees pleasant to the sight and good for food. The tree of life also in the midst of the garden and the tree of knowledge of good and evil. There's an option there. Um, And how many know every day you get up, you can choose which direction you're going to take. And a river went out of Eden to water the garden and from thence it was parted and became into four heads. The name of the first was Pison. That is it which compasseth the whole land of Havilah where there is gold and the gold of the land is good, let's skip on down to verse 13, and the name of the second river is Gihon. Verse 14, and the name of the third river is Hidekel. And uh, the fourth river is what? Euphrates. And the Lord God took the man and put him into the garden of Eden to dress it and to keep it. Verse 16, and the Lord God commanded the man saying, of every tree of the garden thou mayest eat freely. Everybody say being free. Amen, it's not what that means, but. There's freedom in his presence. But of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, thou shalt not eat of it, for in the day that thou eatest thereof, thou shalt surely what? Die. Out of the garden came four rivers. One one meant life. One meant bursting forth. One meant fruitfulness. And one meant purpose. Out of your family, God wants there to come life. Blessing. How many know he wants that to happen? Now I know our children have choices, so you can't base on every situation. But uh, thank God that when they wander away, they can come back where there's life, where there's purpose, where there's bursting forth. And Can you say amen? Where there is abundance and fruitfulness. And so uh, I think sometimes we beat ourselves up when something doesn't go the way we plan living for the Lord. But please know you got to stay in the garden, keep producing life, keep producing purpose, fruitfulness bursting forth so they have a place to come back to and they can find that life, find their purpose, find their fruitfulness. How many want to keep producing what what matters? The world is a desert place. How many want to produce great? Would you clap your hands and shout unto the Lord today? (laughs) Hallelujah. Amen. You may be seated. I am going to teach you today from, from this portion of scripture. I'll reiterate a couple points here. But God wants great things to come out of our, our household, our family. And what I have taught for those that have not been here is that the first family was Adam and Eve. And uh, sad to say that the first family backslid. God's only two saints failed. Aren't you glad he made a way that they could come back to him? I'm here glad you came back to him. Hallelujah. His arms are wide open. Welcome home. And so, when you are looking at this and teaching family, is that God spoke to Adam and commanded Adam? He said, "Don't partake of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil." And Eve was not existing yet; she was later to be created. And but God had told him to keep it, to 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 keep the garden, to protect the garden. Um, and then He commanded him to not take of that tree. When when Eve was created, and he named her or called her woman, chapter 3 says, now the serpent, verse 1, you'll follow along, now the serpent was more subtle than any beast of the field, which the Lord God had made, and he said unto the woman, Yea, hath God said, ye shall not eat of every tree of the garden. When the serpent showed up, the serpent showed up with a question about what God had said. A question. My fear sometimes is knowing that the youth and any of us that in Timothy he spoke to Timothy talking about Eve was deceived when the serpent came and caused her to question the things of God. And he said, I I fear that you are going to be beguiled, or you are going to be deceived by that same serpent, by that. How I many know it's the devil? Do you believe he, he's a deceiver? And he's going to come down your road one day and he's going to try to get you to question what you know are truths. And many of you have wandered away at one point or another due to deception or due to an attack of the enemy, we would call that. And when the serpent came into the garden, caused and began to question Eve, verse two says, and the woman said unto the serpent, we may eat of the fruit of the trees of the garden. She knew the liberties and the freedoms that she had received, why? Because Adam had told her, God's given all of this to us. Look at everything God has. I would say to every dad in this room, I would say to every parent in this room, you can't just talk about what you can't have. You need to first express everything you can have. We are here by the goodness of God. He's given us a job, he's blessed our finances. Look at the help that he's given us, the joy and the peace amen and what we understand is he's been good i know i'm among some believers this morning that you know god is good god is good how many would jump to your feet and clap your hands and say the lord has been good to us god's been good to us he's been good praise the name of the lord and that's what she was expressing listen devil Look at all the stuff we have. Look at all the good. I would say here today, we ought to be thankful for freedom to worship. There are people right now that do not have that liberty to worship. The liberty to come to the house of God and to come to a house that's dry. No leaking roof. We ought to be thankful. Amen. Padded seats and good company and, amen. A God that loves you. You know, how many know he's been good? Are you thankful for the health in your body? Aren't you thankful for food on your table? And I'm telling you, at some point, you sit down with your little children and one of my buddies was, he hit a, hit a, hit a, hit a little boy and, and uh, Lucas was his name and, and he, was, he was a new believer, pretty much just been in church a few years himself and he was trying to teach Lucas to pray and he got down beside him and he said, he, said, uh, he was trying to get him repeat, and repeat type of prayer and he said, Jesus, I thank you for shoes on my body. And Lucas would pray that little prayer. Lord, I just want to thank you for clothes that I've got to wear. Oh man, Lord, I thank you for clothes. Thank you for all the toys I've got in the room. You know, he's teaching him, And uh, thank you for food on the table. He said then it hit him. He was trying to teach a child to be thankful and he had not seen it from that perspective. And if we're not careful, we don't know what we have. Hey, man, look at Job in one day. What happened when the enemy came in and tried to take from him? What happened in one day? A loss. But the devil said, I can't. Everything you touch is he touches, God, you bless it. No wonder he serves you. There's a hedge around everything you have. I want to be thankful for the hedge. I want to be thankful for the finances. I want to be thankful for my health. <laughs> thankful for my children. Hey Amen. Hey, hey, be thankful for your emotions. That's right. And so be thankful. And so she stops and look at your neighbor and say, we need to be thankful. Church is a, is a Sunday where we come and say, it is good. And it's going to be great. Amen. Look at this way and say, it is good. good. Look, at, look at the other way and say, it's going to be great. Amen. And so you have the expectation knowing, let me stop here and say, it is going to be great. I know his thoughts toward me, Jeremiah. They are good and not evil to give me an expected end. My tomorrow is going to be great. His hand is in my tomorrow. Thank you for what you've done, but I thank you for what you're getting ready to do. How many know God's getting ready to do something wonderful? Be thankful. Be thankful. So she says, we may eat of the fruit of the trees of the garden, but but of the fruit of the tree which is in the midst of the garden, God has said, ye shall not eat of it. neither shall you touch it lest you die. Let me stop here and say that God did not tell him he couldn't touch it. He told him in verse 17, but of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, thou shalt not eat of it. For in the day that thou shalt, thou eatest thereof, thou shalt surely die. God commanded him not to eat of it, but because of his wisdom and integrity, he taught his family, don't touch it. You go over there and start... Feeling the leaves and touching it, partaking of it, throwing it at the bottom of the tree. Just don't touch You know, don't even look at it. We're not even looking that direction. And I think that, that men of integrity, women of integrity, can't just, yeah, I, I told you about my kids. If I said, I said, don't touch that. You know what my children would do? Any of your kids ever do that? It's not just the preacher's kids, you know. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I was testing one, too. That's for sure. And um, don't touch it. Don't even look at it. He was drawn a boundary that was, that was further away. I think sometimes we, we, get an eye, we get this mindset, well, if it's not chapter and verse, then don't teach it. I think what I'm saying is, is that sometimes Adam drew a line that was a little further than what God commanded because he understood the human flesh. And uh, you know, the Bible doesn't say you can't smoke crack cocaine either. But somewhere there's gotta be a line of principle that is drawn and, uh, and that, that is based upon the word of the Lord. My dad taught me, he said, he, he, said, he taught it here many years ago, but he said, a man of integrity, a woman of integrity has to draw boundaries Fences. Can I ask you, do you have any fences in your life? What type of fences do you have to guard your family? Before I move on, I want you to lift your hands and I want you to pray for biblical and spiritual convictions. Lord, we love you today. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Help us, oh God, to be homes of integrity that produce greatness. I pray, oh Lord, in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name, we pray. want your hand to be upon our life. I pray that, God, that in our homes, in our lives, in this teaching, that we would apply your word and principle, God, to protect us from things that will cause, cause us to fall away. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. I, I will say today that, that when you draw fences, you need to give wise. Well, it's because I, because I said so. It doesn't work in 2023. Let me know that. And it's okay. We have found that that like 80% of people do not want to go to it, that you meet on the street, really don't want to go to a church. But 90% of people are looking to engage in a spiritual conversation. At our general conference, a man taught, uh, preached to the youth, and he said every young adult that has converted in our church in the last year were all engaged in witchcraft. Every one of them. I think there's a reason that there's an infatuation with Harry Potter and death and vampires. I think because people are seeking something spiritual. But instead of reaching for the Holy Ghost, the devil is leading them to an unclean spirit. How I many know we don't need to be infatuated with wizardry and. I don't care if it is Halloween. Yeah. We need to be infatuated with the Holy Spirit. And so. So, engaging in conversation, sitting down with your children, sitting down with your spouse, and saying, Hey, I've got convictions I want to talk about. And uh, where we're afraid is we're afraid to deal with a conflict or hurting somebody's feelings. Well, listen, you don't want to get your feelings hurt. Don't get married. <laughs> don't lead. Don't have children. Because if you are married, there will be conflict. I heard someone say that love is blind, and marriage is an eye opener. It's an eye opener. <laughs> And so when you are marrying, getting married, I mean, boy meets girl, girl meets boy, man, they dress up, they iron their clothes, they, they they're early, they come prepared, they ask questions, what's your favorite color, how you doing, all these great things, and and uh, they get married, and and then then they then they get married, and you realize when you get married, you actually marry their family. You marry their family, whether they live next door or you don't ever see them. They can live in another country, but you're married. You marry their family. What do you mean, Pastor? I'm gonna tell you what I mean. Is that when you marry their family, you're marrying you're marrying their personality, you're marrying their mindset, you're marrying the way they do things, and uh, you're marrying their expectations. And when you get married, you are gonna get married, and you're gonna have expectations based upon how you've lived and how you were raised. How many know it's true? The word word disappointment means unmet expectations. And so on your, I gave everybody a paper. How many did not receive one of these today? Would you raise your hand? All right, just raise your hand. We're gonna pass these out to you. Go ahead, just keep your hand raised if you have not received one of these. If you have a, have a pen or pencil or something that you can mark, we're going to have a teaching exercise here today in a moment, but. On page 36, which is 36 and 37 here, this is um, when I do premarital counseling or marriage counseling, which sometimes, certainly every couple going to get married has to have this. It's not important. It's imperative. It's imperative. Um, There's a reason I haven't let Finn drive my truck. (laughs) That's right. I don't think I have to explain it. I don't want it wrecked that's the number one reason I like that truck and there's a reason I let Sawyer drive it but there was a day in time I would have never let him I would have said don't even touch it but I do now and he went and picked up some things we needed at the house and 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 the reason is is because he's been trained how to we hand this thing to couples called marriage and say have a good trip and uh, a lot of people wreck it. You know why? Because they don't know how to drive it. They don't, they don't know how to exist in a marriage. It, it is swerving up and down the hills and, and into the trees. And, uh, and they don't know how to drive it. They don't, they, don't, they don't know when to put the brakes on. They don't know, they don't know the issues that, that they're going to have. And um, because when they, when they come, they're just going to do it the way their family did it. If someone comes from a background where there has never been divorce, they're going to have a different expectation than somebody that grew up in a home that's been split. Somebody that comes in that was raised in the church, church life, church community. Somebody that come in, only, only been in a church of just maybe a few months or maybe a year or two. They're going to have different expectations. I mean, know it's true. Different cultures. And... Um, and so we do this inventory where you take 165 questions about your, your background and your, your expectations of marriage and uh premarital counseling, 165. And it gives 10 categories, 10 questions, uh, about 10 questions of these categories. And you answer questions about, and it, and it gives you a report of, of how compatible you are or, or areas that you need to work, work on. And uh, any married people ever had an argument? Just wanna make sure I, I need to teach this today. If you haven't, you're lying. And uh, there's an altar for that. So, um, look what it says. Look at it. It says mapping your relationship. Well, I'll, I'll just move to that in a minute. But look where it says closeness. Closeness refers to how emotionally connected you feel to your partner and family. How, 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 how do you balance separateness and togetherness? And uh, um, I, I'm re- I reminded of the story of a I'm reminded of the story of of a couple that got married. And they were not just close. She came from a background of overly, I mean, overly connected, overly connected. Means whatever I do, my mom has to do it with me. Mother-in-law is going everywhere we go. And so finally they had planned their dream trip. And uh, this is not talking about my wife, of course, and my mother-in-law, who I love very much and uh, said they were planning their dream trip had it on the had it on the coffee table they're going to go to israel for a trip and said uh i can't believe i'm telling this but said said that they planned this trip they're going to go to israel and said all of a sudden knock on the door guess who knocks on the door it's in law she comes in and sees on the coffee table oh what are y'all doing well we're going to israel I want to go with you. We've always done everything. We've talked about Israel, and so love went out, and guess what? Mother-in-law goes on the trip to Israel. And uh, while she's over there, she passes away. And uh, they they had a five thousand a five thousand dollar deal to fly her back, or it was just uh, you know very cheap to bury her in Israel. And he said, Oh no, we're flying her back. So they buried somebody here one time, and in three days they resurrected. but that wasn't with anybody in this church. (laughs) How do I move on? I don't know, what do we do here? But overly connected would be, overly connected would be, my family has to do everything we're doing as a couple. Disconnected would be, where it's not close, is they grew up in a house where they might remember a birthday, they might get together, but they grow up, I have met couples like, families like this, they come from backgrounds to where, Birthdays were never celebrated. They never got together for Christmas. It was sort of when they graduated they left, and maybe hear from a family member every now and then, maybe on a birthday. But I grew up in a family that we were close. Uh, every Sunday we went to grandma's house. Saturday, Friday nights I stayed up with my mom's mom, my grandmother Mimi, and uh, we were we were certainly connected. Every holiday we were with family, and uh, it was a it was a great time. Had a close family close to my family, and, um, um, and my wife come from close, and she was a little more uh, more connected in the way they, they would do things. And so, so there comes expectations when you, when your birthday has been celebrated your whole life, and you marry somebody that rarely got to celebrate a birthday, and on your birthday they don't do as much as you think, there are going to be problems. I'll give, I'll give you one scenario about expectation. Cindy and I first got married, it was our first Christmas. It, we were so excited about it. And, uh, and one of the things we've done is, is we chose when we got married to stay home on Christmas and to build our tradition. And we would go see family after that or before that, but we wanted to wake up in our ho- house for Christmas. We decided that. And Because uh, there can be arguments in a marriage where you're going to spend Christmas and Thanksgiving. And eat, how many know it's true? And then you're always with them, where you're never with us. And uh, so those things can, can happen. I'll never forget, wake up, and, and uh, I had, I had built, b- bought her a piece of furniture, and she would bought me a guitar, and it was exciting. And uh, waking up, our first Christmas, married back in, back a few years ago. And uh, I'll never forget that we were opening these presents, and, and then, then at the end she said, where's my Christmas card? I said, uh, uh, wh- what do you mean? She said, Oh, everybody gets a Christmas card on Christmas. I said, they do? <laughs> and uh, she said, yeah. She said, I've gotten a Christmas card my whole life. I would get a card for dad, mom, and candy, and candy get one for dad, mom, and me, and dad would get one for mom, candy, and me. You understand, four people in the house, and there'd be 12 Christmas cards sitting on the tree limbs. <laughs> And uh, I said, I'm so sorry. Boy, she had envisioned it. She had thought about it. She's getting a card from, from, it's gonna say, Merry Christmas to my wife. She had pictured it. She had expectation of it. And my family, we just sent the Christmas cards to people we don't see. Uh, just for a moment, anybody on my side in the building? Cindy, would you look around? I'll win. <laughs> And so when you're dealing with when you're dealing with marriage and family, uh, guess what she was on Christmas Day? She was disappointed. Now she didn't overemphasize it. It wasn't an argument, but she was disappointed. And whose fault was it? No, 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 no. <laughs> we don't need anybody on that team right there. But if she expected it, it'd been great if she could have expressed it. But she didn't. She could have said, "Hey." By the way, on Christmas, I would love to get a Christmas card. But she didn't know. She didn't know she would have to communicate that to me because she just thought everybody did it that way. And I didn't know because I thought everybody didn't do it that way. And so when you're getting married, there are some things you can't teach. You have to teach principle how we're going to handle that when we get there. And I'm going to tell you where you'll make a mistake is trying to keep your family, the 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 your marriage, and your family unit the same as where you came from. I, I told somebody one time. I said, uh, in, through marriage counseling, premarital counseling, they were not from the church, and so don't don't wonder if they're in the building. But I said, well, you know, you're, you this you, you would need to apologize. They said, well, I'm never wrong. I said, excuse me. Well, I'm never wrong. What well, my family's never wrong. I wanted to tell him run, but I couldn't. And, uh, and didn't, and, uh, but you, 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 there's gonna be a moment that you realize it doesn't have to be the way it's always been. But when you get married, you're gonna get married with this expectation of how you like it, how you want, how you desire things. They're gonna get married how they expect it to be. And so, you have to realize closeness. Now, now when, when our first child was born, and or excuse me, when uh, Sawyer was born, my parents were, were out of town and I have a family member that, that that I called. Hey, hey, are you gonna be here? I just actually I called and said, hey, looks like uh, uh gonna be born. And uh, they couldn't come because they had they had they had plans that and I, I didn't expect them to be here. And uh, when she called her family, guess what? Aunts, uncles, cousins. They were all coming because their closeness was different than my closeness. It wasn't, it wasn't that one was wrong, but the expectations were different. And and she was like, where are they? Why aren't they coming? And you got all of this, uh, her side of the family that was showing up, I'm just saying that there is difference in closeness and expectations. My family's gonna come, but they weren't gonna be there the the day of. And uh, you can get upset because your expectations are not fulfilled. One way to solve this is to sit down and have conversations about your expectations instead of assuming that everybody knows your expectations. And uh, your response is, well, you should have known that. Well, they don't know that. You don't know that. You don't know how to know because you come from a background of of different expectations. Can somebody say amen? Amen. How many can relate with what I'm teaching today? And so, so with this, how do we do this? You got you know, When you first get, you start dating, man. You're you're starstruck, and and uh, you got a breath mint in your mouth. You don't do it anymore. Well, you 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 made sure you were fine, trimmed and groomed as well as possible. And uh, now you're walking out in terrible pajamas, and, and who cares, right? We're married. They said yes, so here, here you are. Here's the real me. And uh, and I think that I think that if if, if we're not careful, uh, you'll get used to something that you truly at one time extremely valued. And uh, I will say that 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 when you dated, you asked questions. How do you want this? What would you like? What's your dream? What's your bucket list? Where do you want to go? And when a couple, a couple, man and woman, they they seek to please the other, it creates trust and respect. Uh, It creates trust and respect. Is when she knows he's doing everything he can to make her dream come to pass. And when he knows she's doing everything she can to make his dream come to pass, it brings a mutual trust because you know they're selfless and not selfish. And it calls you to trust them financially, uh, trust them in their absence, and uh, trust them in your absence to know that they're doing whatever they can to make that marriage amazing. Because there's been boundaries that have been set. There's trees we don't partake of. As a matter of fact, let's, let's, let's step back a little bit and say, let's keep God in our life. So let's not even touch the tree. Hold on, let, let's not even look that direction. Let's have open conversation about our desires and wants. And, and uh, if a couple is not careful, uh, what will happen is, is they will gradually grow apart and not know it. And uh, that that baby that came in steals all the attention, all the energy, and all the sleep. And uh, at some point, Brother Tyler, and I tell you today, and I saw Danny and Krista back there a while ago with, uh, with little Asher, but... The attention cannot be all on the baby. The most important person in that house is not the baby. It's your wife. It's God, wife, children. Well, pastor, I don't believe that. Well, you're wrong. I know the children. Because what's happened is your children are temporary in your house. I'm telling you, they're temporary. And guess what? They're leaving one day but they're coming back and they're bringing more with them. <laughs> Have you know it's true? And it's exciting. I, I look forward to that, but just not right now. And what you gotta realize is what is permanent. It's for better or for worse, the sickness in the health, for richer or for poor, Only unto you, so long as we both shall live. And when you realize there's nothing too big to separate us, you will work through things. But marriage isn't gonna work just because they're nice looking and you're attracted to them because that, 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 that might change over a period of time. That youthful lust can change with a period of time. And what I'm saying is, is that no matter how pretty, no matter how nice looking, you, you can get used to them because it's human nature to get used to things. It's like that car that you bought and you, you washed it every single Saturday, waxed it every single week, and next thing you know, you got trash in the floorboard and dust on the dashboard. I mean, no, the wheels aren't even cleaned. Why? Man, you loved it when you got it, but you got used to it. And marriage is the same way. You have to oppose the human nature to stop devaluing what's the most important thing in your life. It's your spouse. You know how you value them? You You keep speaking words of affirmation. You study the person that you are committed to. You study them. Everybody say, study them. You learn what they like and what they don't like. And just because you like it doesn't mean they're going to love it. I mean, no, it's true. You've got to start loving what they love and care about them and, 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 and respond to them the way they should. And so when you are getting married, you're going to get married to a person and their expectation. I'm going to tell you the solution is you need a date night. You need a time that you take your spouse out. When your children are old enough, because if you're nursing, it's hard to go anywhere far away. How I mean, know it's true. But you need a date, maybe a trip that you can take a night or two away and and, and be together without distraction. Focusing on one another and keeping important what is going to be in your life for the rest of your life. I'll stop here to say that the greatest compliment you will ever get in your life is at your wedding day when they look at you knowing they've got one life to live and they say only unto you. I'm living one life and I want you to be a part of it. I think it's awesome thing is that when we say that to Jesus and an altar of repentance and we confess our faith to him and say I don't want to live a day without you. How many know that's praise? That's praise, and when you show up on Sunday and and you are in this room you say, I still feel that way, I want you to know I'm with you for the good times and the bad times. I know I'm gonna have disappointing moments, but Lord, i commit my life to you. How many are glad that you did that to the Lord and you're thankful? (laughs) Thankful. And so I I need to work on this. If you would turn, talking about closeness, and um, page 37 on there, At the top, it goes from disconnected to overly connected. I was certainly very much connected. Probably my wife's side of the family was very connected on especially events. This doesn't necessarily deal with 100% emotion or affection. But I have met people that grew up and never heard dad say one time, I love you. I don't think it's right. I think think affirmation is what children need from their father. Let there be an amen in the building. Well, this is how I've done it. I think you've done it wrong, and that's why you come to church so you can hear teaching to do it better. How many know the Lord loves us? For God so loved, we have it written in his word because we need to know that he loves us. Well, I showed them that I love them, or he showed me that he loved me by providing. There's more to this than just action. You have to have verbal connection. Somebody say verbal connection. And so a family that grows up may be uh, disconnected versus somebody that's overly connected. It's possible there's not a lot of affection there. I think a hug from a father is key. A hug from a mother is key affection. And um, um, when you're looking at closeness, disconnected versus overly connected, let me stop here. Uh, And are y'all getting what I'm teaching today? There has to feel a sense of connection. Not, if I left the home, mom and dad wouldn't miss me. Uh, they have to feel love. They have to know that there's love. How? Emotional connection. Everybody say emotional connection. And so showing that, expressing that, and uh, is, is very key. Being together, birthdays, Christmases, nights. Look at flexibility, where it says overly flexible versus what? Inflexible. When I think of inflexible, I think of military time. Military. Extremely rigid. I'm sorry, dinner was at 6.01. Go to bed. You don't get to eat tonight. Now, now, if they if they've been late for dinner for three nights in a row, maybe. That you bring some extreme measures. But but I'm sorry, but it was at 6. I said it was at 6. This is dad's rules. I'm sorry. Go to bed. And I think that, that that if we're not careful, you can have such a rigid schedule that there's no room for flexibility in the, in the family time. I grew up, dinner was every night at six. I loved it. Every night at six o'clock, I knew dinner's gonna be every night at six. Where you would see overly flexible, there is no such thing as any schedule. Just come as you go. Six-year-olds and seven-year-olds and 12-year-olds, everybody's just doing their own thing. Uh, uh, Rama noodles are a great blessing in that family. TV dinners. But there's no schedule. Nobody knows where anybody else is. And let me let me stop here and, and teach you that you don't have to be inflexible. Certainly you shouldn't be overly flexible, meaning, uh, meaning that there is no schedule. But there needs to be something structured in that family. When's bedtime? When do you get up? Are y'all hearing me? Uh, what's the order? Who's who, who's washing the dishes? Who's, who's washing the clothes? Who's getting the clothes out of the hamper? Who's taking out the trash? You have to have some letter, level of order that people know what they're gonna do or it's gonna be dysfunctional. And, uh, and so when you are looking at this, um, uh, you, you have to make decisions and, and find where you are. Here's what I'd like you to do. Stop just for a moment. And I want you to put on there, based on what I've taught today, between disconnected and overly connected, are you connected? I want you to mark that, where you where you grew up, uh, how you grew up as your family background, and also mark where you think you are as a couple or as an individual. Take a moment and mark that. Do you, you feel like you grew up disconnected, overly connected, or somewhere in the light blue which would be balanced? And where they meet, like disconnected, versus excuse me overly flexible versus inflexible where you're in a north and south there up and down where do you think you grew up and where do you think you are now i personally grew up probably very very flexible and uh, with a minister's schedule and a uh, emer- a lot of emergencies uh, there's a lot of things, plans that were changed. If you're inflexible, that means plans don't change. Whoever shows up gets the benefit of being there. Whoever doesn't is going to miss it. We're not going to move anything around for anything or anybody. And uh, balance would be somewhere somewhere in the middle. I think it would be... Uh, and let's stop here for a minute. Are y'all good? I'm stopping to teach you. But you have roles in a home. How many know you have roles in a home? And uh, somebody washes the dishes. Somebody does this. And we live in a two-income family generation. Uh, certainly culture has pushed it that way. And, uh, uh, and so you got to find out conversations who's going to do what. Uh, the dishes probably shouldn't... Still be dirty from last week. I'm just saying. And uh, my mom, always at night when we went to sleep, she was she was getting everything put back in order after we went to sleep. And uh, Cindy, when we first got married, she didn't want to go to sleep if the socks weren't all the way folded correctly. And when it hits a certain time, I don't care if the house is upside down, I'm ready to go to bed. She didn't want to go to sleep until the house was in perfect order. And uh, it was the Clash of the Titans. Not really, almost. And she's like, "Hold on, I, we got to get this. This is." I'm like, "I'm tired. I'm ready to go to bed." There has to be some level of order, or there's going to be chaos. How many know this is true? How do you find out? Everybody say communication. And um, and where should you be in this? You, you can't be so flexible that there's no order. That there's there's uh, every little whim. Every time the wind blows, you change your schedule. It creates dysfunction, and uh, it's going to be hard for your kids to keep a job. If there's never any structured order in the home, thank God for church. Aren't you glad we start on time at the anchor? Yep. And uh, my dad said, Aaron, if you start a minute before the sign says, you you cheated the people. He said, if you start a minute late, you've lied to the people. I said, yes, sir. <laughs> Let's start. You see a countdown. We do it right because it's uh, we're gonna have. You don't have to question whether we're having church next week and. And why? Because we have a very set schedule uh, uh, here at the church. Uh, here's what I'm saying: is you don't you you don't you don't have to be like me, but you have to find out where you both are going to come. So here here's as I end, I'm going to take just two minutes. What if you're disappointed in the relationship? What well, if you like don't like how it's going? You have to be able to deal with some level of conflict. And let's all stand um, conflict to say. I'm... I think things can be better. Don't raise your hand when I say this because I don't want you to answer. But if your spouse comes to you and says, uh, you know, I've got some concern uh, with how you're doing things. Are you going to get mad or are you going to listen and respond and try to make the changes? Here's what I've learned dealing with people and this is my life. I have conversations with people all day, just about every day. A person that is insecure, that gets corrected, will feel attacked. A person that's confident that receives correction will feel instructed, because they're confident knowing they wanna be better. Somebody that constantly has to have affirmation can't be told anything that they're doing wrong. And so you have to deal with conflict. If you're gonna get anything out of the marriage, anything out of the relationship, anything out of the family, working at the job, you have to be assertive at some level and say, you know what? I'd like to have dinner more often at a certain time. I wish you wouldn't be late. I I wish this about, I wish we would do more dates. You have to be able to stop and be willing to take conflict. I'm gonna tell you people that avoid conflict with the spouse because they're afraid of dealing with World War III. If World War III happens every time there's an indifference, guess what? They're gonna live dissatisfied in their relationship. I rarely fly fly on a plane or stay at a hotel, but I don't get an email that says, how was, would you you rate how we're doing? How many's ever got an email from a company? You know why? They're willing to deal with some conflict and some criticism. Here's my question to you before I move on and let y'all go get your kids. Are you willing to deal with some criticism so you can get better? Are you terrified that somebody's gonna say, that you're not what you should be. Can I say, if we're going to grow, we have to be willing to change. And if we're going to change, we've got to be willing to embrace some conflict. I made my mind up a long time ago, I'm going to tell my kids, even if they hurt their feelings, I'm going to tell my wife at times, even if I have I hurt your feelings before, you've hurt mine. <laughs> and I'm better. Amen. And I do want to say, uh, Brother and Sister Tackett are going to Uh, Florida tomorrow and I'm very sad about it. I I make in-law jokes every now and then. But they're some of the most amazing people I've ever met and God blessed me with them in my life. And you can take this home with you and I'll I'll pick up here, I've been teaching on family, but I want you to be better. I want your marriage to be better than the world's and ungodly. How many know God wants us to be free and embrace and have love There's healings in this room today. I want you to lift your hands, and I want you to ask God to speak to you. I want you to tell the Lord, God, I'm willing to change for the betterment of my children, the betterment of my family, the betterment of the community, the betterment of the church. God, I'm willing to change. I'm willing to be what you want me to be, to change the things that you'd have me to change, Lord. I don't want to be stuck in my ways. I want want to become everything you want me to become. In the name of Jesus Christ, we pray. Can somebody say amen? Amen. God bless you. Stick around. Family worship will start here in just a few few moments at 11 o'clock.